You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, episode 210, Martha Washington. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the distinct privilege of introducing a whole new series for Election College. This is awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, Martha Washington. So, Ben. Yeah? We've all heard of her, right? Most of us, probably. And there are a lot of things I didn't realize about Martha Washington before researching this episode. Name one of them. I think most the fact that she was stinking wealthy even before <laughs> her first marriage. She didn't and need, she didn't need it no was man. kind of I know. And it's kind of like this we're totally jumping ahead of ourselves, but it's kind of like the rich marry the rich marry the rich. True. And they just get richer. But we will start way back in 1731. Martha Dandridge was born in June of 1731. So it depends on if you're going the old style or the new style, then it'd be really interesting. It would have nothing to do with politics, but that would be an awesome topic to cover about when we lost, you know, 11 days. Anyway, she was born on her parents' plantation, which was called Chestnut Grove, and that was in Virginia. And she was the oldest daughter of John Dandridge, who was a Virginia planter and who had immigrated from England, and his wife was Frances Jones. Yeah, and Frances was actually born in America. So this is kind of that weird time in history where you have a lot of people who are born elsewhere and come to America, and then you have um, people who are born here, but they might as well be from England because they're only like a couple years removed from England. So it's kind of an interesting time. Uh, Martha has a few siblings, and by a few, I mean seven. Uh, she has three brothers and four sisters, uh, most of them who were younger than her. So actually, maybe all of them were younger than her. I haven't taken time to do all the math. Anyway, there's the possibility that she did have another uh, half-sister who would have been illegitimate. Uh, who was born into slavery. And uh, it's not 100% certain of that, but uh, it's entirely possible that there might have been a couple uh, other kids there, regardless of whether or not they can be proven. I don't know. But it's out there for you. You can decide. Yeah. I hate that word, illegitimate, because every kid is legitimate. So Absolutely. I agree with that. Topic for another episode yeah. <laughs> of another 
topic. It, it's just a nice way of saying a mean. It's a mean way of saying a nice thing. I don't know. It's it's just it's strange. Yeah. It's friggin' awful. <laughs> anyway, so in May of 1750, a young Martha, uh, she's 18 years old, marries Daniel Park Custis. And Daniel Park Custis is a guy who has a lot of money. He's like the wealthy bachelor that everybody in town is like, why hasn't that dude gotten married yet? But he's around 38 years old and they move into his residence which is called white house plantation and it's a few miles upriver from chestnut grove they have four kids uh two of them die in childhood and the older two uh john who was also called jackie park custis and martha um park custis uh, she was more affectionately known as patsy did live into adulthood, and we'll talk more about them here later on. In 1757, so only about seven years after they married, Daniel passes away. And Martha is 25 years old. She's rich. She's young. She's a widow. And she has a lot of money to do basically whatever she wants with. And also... Uh, a lot of control over the assets that Daniel had left behind. Uh, she's got like almost 18,000 acres of land. She's got 300 slaves. She has other cash that's just like li liquid for her. Uh, she has investments now that are hers that she has to decide what to do with. And there's like five different plantations uh, that she has. So she is really wheeling and dealing. Uh, she knows what's up. She was, you know, had some cash before they got married, and now she certainly has um, probably more than she can fathom at this point. Yeah, and keep in mind, too, that most women in this era could not read and write. Right. And she could. So she was, yeah, like Ben said, she's wheeling and dealing. She's bargaining with London merchants for the best tobacco prices. Uh, she's got it going on. She's a woman who knows how to take care of her affairs, which, by the way, some of her affairs included 300 slaves. So Martha Dandridge Custis, she's 27 years old right now. She's like, hey, I'm an independent woman, and I can... I can handle this, but she meets a guy named George Washington. Actually, they probably knew each other for quite some time because colonial Virginia, people knew each other. <laughs> so um, she's eight months older than George. They're 27 years old or almost 27 years old. And they get married in January of 1759 at White House Plantation. Yeah, and he had visited her several times uh, leading up to that, and nobody's actually sure, you know, how the engagement went, uh, but there's some speculation that maybe she was like, let me think about it, George, because I don't need you, and uh, but I like you. You're all right. There was also some other guys interested. Who wouldn't be? Martha was great. So there's this giant wedding, and uh, the, couple, the couple ends up settling in at Washington's Mount Vernon estate, and, you know, they didn't have any kids together. 
they raise Martha's children that she had had uh, previously. Uh, they absolutely seem to have a fantastic marriage and uh, really enjoy each other's company and uh, love each other. Uh, their daughter, uh, Patsy, that we talked about earlier, she did end up uh, having an epileptic seizure and died uh, when she was a teenager. And um, John, or Jackie, uh, ends up coming back from where he was at college uh, to comfort his mother. And uh, I'm sure that, well, we've heard stories in the past, and we'll probably hear more in the future, about how much that affected George as well, uh, as he was, you know, very involved in their lives and, and loved them very much as well. So even though they weren't his biological children, he certainly treated them as his own. And uh, I'm sure it was quite the hit for both of them. Yeah. So Jackie serves as an aide to Washington during the siege of Yorktown in 1781. And he dies of camp fever. And after he passes on, the Washingtons raise two of Jackie's four children. And it's also worth note that they also provided personal and financial support to some of their nieces and nephews, um, both on the Dandridge side and Washington families. So, so they had a pretty good size extended family that they concerned themselves with. And, and it seemed to be a pretty good life for Martha, especially she lived fairly private life at Mount Vernon and she also had her houses still from the Custis estate. Uh, but she did travel up to some of the, the battles or some of the encampments that Washington, George Washington, was at. So she would help cheer up the officers and, and encourage the soldiers during the Revolutionary War. So, yeah. Martha is traveling a little bit to see George and uh, to see the men while they're out there uh, on the battlefield and at the different encampments and everything. And uh, she's kind of the hostess of the camp. Uh, She kind of makes it a point to make sure everybody is enjoying themselves and feeling welcome. And, you know, this might have been a kind of a strange situation for her in some instances because... Remember, she's always been a wealthy, independent woman, and uh, George has also been a wealthy man in his life. And uh, so to to wait on people or to uh, kind of cater to them might have been a little bit out of their comfort zone, but it seems like they were very generous people. Uh, there was a couple instances where uh, some people came to Valley Forge to ask General Washington, hey, could you let my husband like out of jail and stuff? And the reason that they were in jail is because they had refused to swear an oath of loyalty to the United States because they were Quakers. And they George wasn't there, so they were hanging out with Martha. And um, Martha was like, yeah, let me see what I can do. Nope, sorry, can't do it. Uh, but you guys can come have dinner with me and the general. And so, so this is the kind of thing she would do. She would make sure to interact with people and make sure to hear people's needs and their desires. And uh, where she could help, she would. Where she couldn't, she didn't, obviously. Uh, but the Valley Forge encampment, it seems like she was there for an extended period of time, even though we know that she was at multiple different encampments. We just don't necessarily have all those details. Can you imagine having George and Martha Washington like going to dinner with them? what that might have been um, 
you know, what are you going to wear and <laughs> how it's just, you're in the middle of this war and you know, your husbands are in jail and, and stuff like that. And you're going to eat with them. Yeah. I don't know. Cause they were legendary. It's not like, Oh, the Washingtons became famous a few years later. They were famous then. Yeah. It's like when, when he became president, it was like, and nobody was like, really? Who's that? Uh, also, they, they probably were like, what's a president? But uh, <laughs> every everybody <laughs> was really already familiar with George Washington. That's one of the reasons he became the president. I mean, his name is everywhere from all the battles he was in. He was only in those battles and put in that position because of his life before the war. Everybody knows George Washington and by... Uh, mere association, let alone the type of person she was, everybody knows who Martha is as well. So, yeah, these people, even though they, they, George was not president and she was not first lady yet, you can pretty much guarantee that they were very enamored with with them both. Which leads to his election and inauguration, because this cracks me up. <laughs> we all know Washington is elected president, and you know, the office seeks the man and, and all that good stuff. We know that George would rather just retire at Mount Vernon and hang out and, I don't know, watch Netflix, <laughs> <laughs> do something, listen to Election College, right? Yeah. But he, you know, answers the call to service. And here he is elected president of the United States. And in April of 1789... He's inaugurated, and guess what? Martha is like, no, I'm not going to go to that. That's uh, an NBD, no big deal. I'm just going to stay home and tend to whatever needs tending to. Much more important business at home because this whole president of the United States thing, I'm, uh, I'm not about that at all. It'll blow over. But once George was in office, she becomes the, well, she is literally the first lady. And also she becomes the first lady and is very happy to host a lot of different affairs in New York City and Philadelphia. Remember, those were both capitals. We have a whole episode about the U.S. Capitol and where they were in the past. And uh, yeah, she is, again, the hostess of everyone and wants to make sure everyone feels very welcome. So we talked about how she was wealthy before she got married the first time, but she got even more wealthier, even more wealthy. I think it's even more wealthy. She got even more wealthy uh, after she married Daniel Custis, and uh, he had been one of the wealthiest men in Virginia. And so therefore, when he passes, she is one of the wealthiest women, or probably the wealthiest women, although we don't, I don't know that for sure, uh, in the Virginia colony as well. However, uh, when Daniel died, he died without a will. And that means that Jackie, John Custis, uh, their, do- their son, uh, who went by Jackie, once he became an adult, was able to get two-thirds of the whole estate that was there. And that includes, you know, the the slaves and the the land and everything else like that. However, Martha ends up getting one third of the estate and the slaves. And then once she died, they were split up between all the different children and everything. So uh, even after 
Jackie was able to have part of that that he was kind of given by his father or, or, you know, kind of bequeathed by his father, uh, she was still pretty wealthy and still well off and didn't really want for much ever. Yeah, it's fascinating to see all of the ways assets were transferred and to their descendants and so on. But Martha had a ton of slaves and it's, I mean, this is part of our history that, uh, she kept her slaves until she died. She didn't emancipate any of them. And, uh, she did bequeath Elisha, one of her slaves, uh, to her grandson, George Washington Park Custis, who comes up later on in our history. This follows the Washington's slaves, the Custis Washington slaves, really follows our history for, let's just say, four score and seven years, perhaps, <laughs> uh, further into the future. So it is worthy of note that Martha Washington is the only woman who has graced the U.S. currency, the paper currency. Uh, there have been women on coins. There have been pictures of like Columbia and other uh, fictitious women, but Martha Washington is the only um, figure who has been on paper currency. Yeah, so we don't have as much to talk about Martha as we do, of course, her husband, because her husband had so many nationally recognized feats and accomplishments. But that doesn't take anything away from Martha as being uh, a strong, rich, independent woman uh, with many different uh, things that she did well. Of course, you know, just by the mere fact she had slaves, we know that she was not untouchable in the sense that uh, she was perfect or anything, but certainly seemed to be one of uh, one of our nation's great treasures at the time, of course. And uh, you don't see a lot of drama happening in the Washington household or the Washington presidency or anything like that. And it's kind of nice to see. Yeah. So I hope you all are as excited as we are about delving into the history of the other first ladies. I know we've talked about a couple of them, but we are excited about learning some more about these women who have greatly influenced our country. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a review, please. It really does a lot of good for us and makes us happy at the same time. It also helps out people in the future who might be looking for a good podcast to listen to. You can head over to electioncollege.com slash review and you will find your way yeah and while you're out there on the interwebs finding your way make sure you interact with us on social media on facebook twitter and instagram at election college thanks everybody we'll talk to you next time